Welcome to the Dealing with Goliath podcast. I'm your host, Al McBride, and this is a solo episode. If you're new to Goliath podcast, could be a good idea to dip back to episode zero to give you an idea of the different formats and what we're all about. This episode is called Graveyard Evidence. So this is one of these things I was reminded about the other day, particularly when I was growing up and smoking was starting to be more and more officially bad for you. You know, people used to come out with these quite ridiculous statements like, you know, oh, my, my granny smoked 60 Marlboro a day and she lived to be 98 years old. You, you know, the type of, of point that certain people make. Uh, nowadays, you know, you, you probably hear that a lot less, but you still have the same, this same type of thinking going on. And it's, it's a bit of a cognitive trap. Thinking errors, cognitive biases might be one of those themes that I'll come back to again and again, because we have a lot of them. As humans, we make a lot of cognitive errors. And it makes sense. It's because an awful lot of things are great shortcuts and they work a lot of the time. But equally then, of course, there's some traps there that they don't work another chunk of time and they can be very dangerous to us that way. And this one is based around survivorship bias or survivor bias or survival bias. And it's a very interesting one because you often take a small example. So as in my granny or my friend's granny type of thing, you know, N equals one or a very small number. So your sample size is very small compared to the vast majority, but it's kind of put forward almost as if it's not maybe a 50-50 thing, but it's a much bigger uh, number than it is. So, oh, a couple of people, yes, of course, a couple of people won't die from smoking. 10 or 20 cigarettes, you know, since the age of 12 or whatever it is they do. But an awful lot will. Generally, it's bad for you. Do you really want those odds, you know? Uh, And this is kind of the thing we're getting into because it, it comes up in a lot of cultural myths. And some of those are myths around entrepreneurship, around innovation. So if you think of Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, think of their origin story. Right. So Zuckerberg's there in Harvard being a whiz genius, just like he's depicted in the social network, right? Gets bored, goes, why? I don't need to finish my degree to be amazing and awesome. So off he goes. Now, does that mean that an awful lot of people should consider if you get into Harvard, you're smart enough not to go to Harvard, that you don't need it? (laughs) Is it an inverse of the Groucho Marx thing? I wouldn't be a member of a club that would have me. You know, if you're smart enough to get in, you don't need to be here. Is that the lesson? I don't think so. I think generally, you know, if you look at the stats, people who go to Ivy League universities, Harvard being one example, probably earn very good money and partly because they got to go to Harvard. It's the alumni, it's, you know, for job offers, oh, they went to Harvard, they must know something. That kind of thing, right? So generally, it's probably a good idea if you get in that you go. Again, same with Bill Gates and same with lots of those sort of entrepreneurial stories. Yes, there's plenty of reasons not to go to university. Uh, But, you know, on the whole, if you look at the stats, people will earn more, uh, the better the university they go to, supposedly. But as I said, this survivor bias is an interesting thing because 
in some ways, it's the opposite to a plane crash. It can work in both ways, right? So a plane crash is all over the news. Oh, you know, if a plane goes down anywhere near you, it's on nearly national news, isn't it? If it's a particularly big or dramatic plane crash, it'll be all over the world. And yet again, you look at the stats. Now, I remember I read an article several years ago, and I hope this is true. I want to live in a world where this is true. Uh, the, the quote was, I thought this was wonderful, you're more likely to die by your trousers than die in an aircraft. I thought that was absolutely wonderful because it, it boggles the mind how one dies from their trousers at all. Now, I presume, just speculating here, if you have other unique thoughts, please do let me know. Speculating that death by trouser is probably related to, you know, the taking on or taking off of said trousers and then maybe tripping, right? But is then is that death by trouser if you hit your head from falling? Is that not death by falling? Anyway, we don't know, all right? We, it's fascinating, but we don't, I don't think I ever want to know, but it's a, it's a fascinating and slightly darkly hilarious statement. But that's the same point, is that there's a huge fear of flying because it is deeply unnatural. You're in a metal tube above the sky at a huge height going at insane speeds. It makes sense that you're a bit scared, right? I'm not saying it's not uh, fundamentally an odd thing to be doing. Of course it is. But statistically, you're far more likely to die on the way to or from an airport or just walking across the street, right? And yet, air crashes all over the news, aren't they? So it's again that, that slight shift in survivor bias that it's, they seem to be much more prevalent than they probably are. This is often the case. So survivor bias comes up in another way, which I think was very interesting. And it's about this idea of developing a perception of missing what is missing. So explain this another way. There was a famous uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, story where I think it was called the dog, in, the dog in the Night, a case of the dog in the night, this kind of thing. There was a horse kidnapped or something like this. Horse snapped, whatever. Uh, and this was the key piece, of, the key piece of evidence that Holmes realizes that the dog didn't bark. So the dog should have barked. That's what was missing. There were no barking dog heard. Yeah, so it implies that the dog quite possibly knew the thief. And this was the opening of the case, you see. So it's again this piece of evidence that actually is prominent by its omission. Right? So it's harder to see because you have to really have the attitude of looking for something that isn't there. Uh, what isn't there? What's missing in this picture? Funnily enough, Mark Kermode, one of my favourite film critics, mentioned this in a piece on horror films, that an awful lot of horror films are set out and they show a picture and there's often something extremely subtly different about it, something subtly off, that deep in our psyche we realise there's something wrong with this image. I mean, and that's what unnerves us with an awful lot of it. And seemingly this is through and through in, in the film The Shining, is there's loads of things that are just odd that don't work, like the architecture in The Shining, if you were to geek out in it. There's a lot of impossible spaces, which is, we're, we're not consciously maybe aware of it, but when he's doing, when he's riding around his little tricycle around the hotel, he's taking turns that actually can't exist. There are rooms that actually can't, 
have natural light coming through them because it should be in the middle of the building as shown from the establishing shots, this kind of thing. So horror films play on this, uh, things that are missing that we don't even realise. It's just something that sort of scratches deep down in our psyche, you know. One of the more interesting examples, again, of the survivor bias is World War II planes. So a whole lot of planes would be shot down and then quite a few would, of course, arrive back shot up, but they were able to make it back to uh, the airfield. And an awful lot of the time then they'd, they'd be wondering where to put the extra armour. And initially it was thought you put it where the bullet holes are, right? Because that's, that's what's getting shot. Makes some logical sense, right? That's what the enemy keep hitting. But of course, some bright spark realised, no, 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 no. You put them everywhere but where. Because the, that survival plane managed to fly even though they were shot in various places along the wing or the, or the main body of the aircraft. And it's exactly where they weren't shot was where the other aeroplanes were hit when they went down. And that's where they put the extra armament and seemingly that made a significant difference. So it's the perception of missing what's missing. And both these, these sort of, as I said, cognitive biases go around another uh, cognitive bias explained by Daniel Kahneman uh, called, and there's a big long abbreviation, W-Y-S-I-A-T-I, Wysiati. And it stands for what you see is all there is. And this is a very natural human bias that what we're presented with, we say, oh, that's it. Oh, that must be the picture. We very rarely sort of go, oh, um, what else am I missing here? So it's a really handy question. What information that could be really pertinent am I actually missing? What piece of information could change my understanding of what I have? What could put into a different reading of the information I already have? It's a very good question. Because I said, most of the time we just start, we go, okay, this is the lay of the land, got it. And you draw the frame as you see it. And literally what you see is all there is. So it can be extremely helpful, particularly for business decisions or important decisions to actually step back that little bit and try and have that meta thinking, that thinking about your thinking. So what is it that I might be missing? Could I be falling into that survivor bias on one hand or connected with that is the what you see is all there is. I have a feeling I'll be coming back to this in another context. It's a whole other explanation. But for the meantime, think about that. Think about your perception. Perception of what might you be missing that you're missing, so to speak. 